0: All right, back on the Young Turks. We've got a great guest for you guys, presidential candidate, and Congressman Tim Ryan is in the studio. How are you doing, Tim? How are you? Good uh, to great see Yes, so you're running for president. Yeah. Okay. So you are one of the most frequent guests in Young Turks history. We've been around a long time. Oh, my God. Okay. I get, a, I get a trophy you, or something? That's right. <laughs> well, not, not yet. But. <laughs> uh, but um, and it's been a long time, and and you've uh, had a a couple of switches in positions, and I do want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. First, before we get to anything else, why run for president?
1: Country's divided. I come from an area where I did really well in a Trump in a district that Trump did pretty well in, or at least stole a lot of votes from from the Democrats. I think I can bring the country together. That's you know we can have a ten point plan on this and a ten point plan on that. If we don't figure out how to come together, we're not gonna be able to move forward. And I come from a district that really I saw the old economy kind of unravel, steel, auto, rubber. And I really understood that and over the course of my career, have thought a lot about how we move forward into the new economy, the new jobs, the electric vehicles, artificial intelligence and really additive whatever, how we make those issues ours as Democrats. And really drive the future. And I think I'm uniquely positioned to do
0: that. So uh, people might not know this, but you're in Ohio's 13th district, although that the districts changed in Ohio yeah. after the census. Yeah. And you originally <laughs> ran uh, against a crowded field, but one of them was an incumbent a uh, guy named Tom Sawyer, Yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, and you and you beat a Democratic incumbent, yeah. uh, and you were 29 years old. That yeah. sounds familiar, <laughs> I know another 29 year old that beat a Democratic incumbent. So uh, I am curious about uh, your stance on unity, I've always been, I wanna come back to the issues of Ohio cuz that's really important, uh, yeah. not just for your district but for the country. But uh, your thoughts on unity, first of all, I, I never quite know what it means cuz you yeah. guys or in a primary now, there's 19 of you at last count, I think, that are running for president on the Democratic side. Yeah, yeah. So what's your take on coming together as Democrats, when by definition, you guys have to kind of compete against each other to win? Yeah,
1: no, I th- and I think that's fine. I mean, uh, most people in a primary, from what I'm seeing, is they want someone who can beat Trump. And I think you, you can beat Trump by really bringing the country together. And I think you do that around these new issues. I don't think we can have the same old discussions, talk about the old economy. I think Trump's fallen into that trap. You know, the economy's doing great. The stock market's up. The unemployment rate's down. It's like, yeah, people got two, three jobs. You know, the wages are still stagnant. There's still economic insecurity. And he's, the more he brags, the better opportunity for us really to pull The vast majority of the country, I mean, he's gonna have his 35, 30, whatever the number is, percent Mm -hmm. that the red hatters that are gonna vote for him. But if we say, look, around electric vehicles, around solar, around wind, around artificial intelligence, let's dominate these industries. What's an independent voter gonna do? They're gonna be like, yeah, this guy, this woman has a plan. Like, And I think that begins the unification process. There's some things that are just common sense. I mean, we would say, boy, this is progressive, right? This is about climate. This is gonna make a big step in the reducing and, and reversing uh, global warming and climate change, but it's also a job. So we've gotta be smart as we push things forward, say, look, this achieves our agenda, our goals,
0: but yet has appeal across the board. So, look, there are, of course, differences of opinion within those issues. So for example, today on the Green New Deal, <coughs> um, Beto O'Rourke came up with a plan, $5 trillion, but it's not really $5 trillion in government spending, he's gonna encourage private uh, uh, companies to spend more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Green New Deal by Ed Markey in the Senate and AOC in the, in the House, obviously a lot of co-sponsors as well, uh, is much uh, more ambitious than that. So where do you come out uh, on that spectrum?
1: I've been saying for a while now, we can't just go carbon neutral. We have got to reverse climate change. And we need government policies, certainly, that help us do that. But I think Beto's right. I mean, we need the power of the free market. I mean, that that will scale things up so much quicker if we can align the environmental incentives with the financial incentives. And then the key for us, I think, from a governmental standpoint is, are we doing things right? Are we making sure that we're getting the charging stations built? What's this grid look like? What's the transportation network look like? Are we doing our job from the private side? And We've gotta cut the worker in on the deal. Like We can't have a green economy that has just as much inequality as the old economy has. It's gotta be you know we've got to move towards a a stakeholder based economy not just a shareholder based economy
0: yeah so <laughs> you know, it, my perception is, and that's why you're on here to tell me if my perception is wrong and have a conversation about it, is that in some ways you've gotten more progressive in your career on the issue of abortion, for example, we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in some ways, I feel like you've gotten more conservative. Uh, because you came in, I thought, very progressive as a young congressman. But when you talk about involving corporations more, I think a lot of people are skeptical. I don't mean like, there's gotta be corporations, this is a, this is a corporation, Young Turks is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's not <laughs> Not like anybody's looking at white yeah. out corporations, but when you said about a year ago that, um, that the corporate taxes need to be cut, mm-hmm. for a lot of progressives that was a red flag. Mm-hmm. So what what do you mean by that? I mean, don't they have enough of a break already? Well,
1: here two things. One is I support increasing taxes on you know fifty million everything that's out there now. Support so like
0: that. the ultra millionaire tax by Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Ford, of, for course, example. of course, of course, of course. There's a okay. huge
1: concentration of wealth. One-fifth of corporations don't pay any taxes. That's right. So my point, two points, one is let's make sure everybody pays. And then if you lower the rate and everybody pays, we're in good shape. Here's where I think we need to move. The, The benefit we have in the United States is that we can scale up a green economy so much quicker than anybody else. What I wanna do is move to a system that has... Like a double bottom line, where it's not just about the shareholders. If you want to use the tax code, you want to use lower corporate tax rates to incentivize the double bottom line. The the companies that are taking care of their workers, they're putting money in a 401k, they're providing health care, they're helping people save for their not just their retirement, but maybe their kids to be able to go to school. Like all of these things, we should and we should reward the Patagonias. Of the, of the world who have a social conscience. If we're going to shift this system away from extraction, if we're going to shift the system away from straight bottom line, you know, stock buybacks, we need to build out the kind of companies that we want that are giving us a social good, like reversing climate change. I don't see anything wrong with having a tax code that does that.
0: So it certainly depends, and we were talking about it earlier in the show about Beto's proposal. There are some subsidies for solar companies that make sense, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like it's a blanket, no, never give corporations anything, of course not. Yeah. But on the other hand, it seems like they've gotten an awful lot lately, and it doesn't yeah. look like they're ever, ever giving it to their workers. Yeah. So we just cut to corporate taxes from 35 to 21, Yeah. we didn't take out any of the loopholes, nope. which I, you just said you're opposed yeah, I to. I voted against the tax yeah, bill.
1: that's right. And I voted against the Bush tax cuts. And I voted against the Trump tax cuts, so I have voted against every trade agreement. So anyone who has any concern about where I am, I mean, I come from Youngstown, Ohio. I just watched General Motors screw our workers, announced on the, the very last day of the second shift where they took it away. They announced plans to open a shop in Mexico. When they announced the closing of the final shift, you know, they, they basically told these workers two days after Thanksgiving. We just lost, they had a private equity group. Uh closed down Falcon Transport in Youngstown. This just happened, 800 jobs. Saturday night, they sent an email at 8 o'clock telling workers not to come in. There's nobody in this race, or in Congress, I would argue, that knows more about corporate misbehavior and corporate negligence more than I do. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, China dominates 40% of, our electric, of the electric vehicle market. China dominates 60% of the solar panel market. We've gotta come together around public private partnerships and like I said, I think we need to increase the tax rates on the wealthiest people in the country. The concentration of wealth is the most dense it's been since the Great Depression.
0: So let's look, let me give people context. The Bush tax cuts were actually larger than the Trump tax cuts. And a lot of Democrats did vote for the Bush tax cuts, including yeah. Senator Dianne Feinstein. Yeah. But you didn't, so no. that's important. Right. But I, I want to. I do wanna follow up and ask you. If you were president, would you? what would you move the corporate taxes back to if you could? I, so they were at 35, they got cut to 21, they didn't take out any of the loopholes. What would you move it back yeah,
1: to? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably higher 20s. But I would. what I wanna do is keep it lower for the double bottom line companies, the Patagonias. And when I say Patagonia, I mean a company that says, I care about the environment, let's reward them. I care about our workers, let's reward them. I care about economic security for our workers retirement. Let's reward them. We're gonna provide healthcare or whatever they benefit. Let's reward those companies because we we're moving the Titanic here. I mean, we're moving an economic system, but we don't wanna take away the innovation. So these new companies, the entrepreneurial companies, the ones who are talking about carbon capture, the ones who are extending the life of food, there's a whole new movement around food is medicine,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's moving. We wanna reward those companies and give them a benefit.
0: You, you wrote books about that, you wrote books. I book. wrote books about it. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, but uh, let, let's keep going <clears throat> on, on policy. So um, the NRA at one point gave you an A or A minus. Yeah. Uh, you've now become much harsher against them. Well, what led to that uh, change of mind for you?
1: Uh, I saw kids get killed in schools. I mean, if that doesn't grab your attention, I don't know what will. And the NRA's inability to really even have a conversation around anything, around background checks, bump stop—I mean, whatever it is, whatever the issue is—they were unwilling to do it. And I, like most people, thought this is crazy. You know, we need to have policies in place that keep these assault weapons and these guns out of the hands of criminals. So, uh, my position changed from because of my experiences that I've had.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I've changed my position on a lot of things yeah. based on what I've seen. Evidence, evidence, <laughs> right. So then <clears> how <throat> far would you go? So federal background checks is a layup. 97% of Americans agree with that. Only reason we're not doing it is because of the power of donors like the NRA. Yeah. Uh, but uh, how about uh, AR-15s? Assault, weapons, assault, oh, assault, weapons, assault weapon ban,
1: background check, uh, Charleston loophole. More money for Center for Disease Control to study it. But I want us to play offense with this, right? I believe that we need to move to not to shift the discussion here, but to social and emotional learning in our schools. So 90% of these kids that go into our schools and do shooting or 90% of the people who do shootings at the schools are in the schools. 70% of those kids feel like they've been bullied, isolated, traumatized in some way. And and so we need to promote school programs like social and emotional learning that actually connect the kids to each other, to their teachers, to the community. And so when Sandy Hook, after Sandy Hook, they came back with recommendations, how can we prevent this? One of it was the gun issue, uh, the control and making sure people don't have access. The Second thing was mental health coverage. Third thing, social and emotional learning in the schools. This is what people on the ground who experienced this tragedy. Uh, firsthand are saying we need to do. That is how we start preventing. And I think when you're talking about issues that are progressive, but yet unite us, social and emotional learning is one of those that do it. And you see huge test score increases, 11 percentile point increases in test scores, which closes the achievement gap, 10% increase in uh, pro-social behavior, 10% decrease in antisocial behavior. So there's a 20% swing in the climate of the school. We need to be running with this. It closes the achievement gap, Like, what are we talking about? Let's deal with the kids' trauma that they come to school with, cuz now we have all this brain science. Talk about evidence. We've learned more about the brain in the last 20 years than we have in the previous 200. And we know if a child's brain is in trauma, that they're not gonna learn properly. And so these social and emotional learning programs get the kids out of fight or flight mode, allow them to access the part of the brain that they need to learn. And you see 11 percentile point increase, so it helps with education. But it also helps with the prevention of these tragedies.
0: Donald Trump could have used that when he was younger. Okay. <laughs> America so, would be better off. It certainly would be. <laughs> and, and, and Congressman Ryan's also written a book about mindfulness and yoga and meditation, et cetera. Yeah. You can check that out as well. Amazon.com. <laughs> okay, little plug there. Another company that unfortunately pays no taxes. That's right. That's okay. Right. So, uh Uh, Let's talk about another change. Uh, In 2015, again, correct me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. here, you went from pro-life to pro-choice, so uh, that's a big change. Yeah. Uh, So what made you uh, decide to go in the other direction?
1: So I grew up Catholic, I'm from Northeast Ohio, I grew up Catholic, I went to Catholic schools. I honestly didn't think a whole lot about the issue running for election. Uh, So I considered myself pro-life, I immediately got in. Uh, started working with Rosa DeLora and other progressives on on the issue of, okay, how do we get an increased access to contraception to people? Now, obviously, a lot of Republicans wouldn't go for that, right? So how do we prevent? And over the course of that process, I was working with NARAL, was working with Rosa, was working with Planned Parenthood and Cecile Richards back then. And I started to meet women who were in these very, very complicated Situations. I mean, I had never met any woman who had an abortion before, or talked to any woman about it, and it. It. I started to change my position. It wasn't like a, a flip. It happened over time. You can go back both on the on the gun issue and on the abortion issue. You can go back and look at my votes and committee that weren't you know really uh, prominently featured in in media. But I slowly started to shift my position on that as well. And then I got to the point where I just felt the government should not be between a woman and her doctor just like a bunch of dudes in Washington DC should not be making these decisions it's very complicated each situation is complicated and and I you know I changed and I realized that there's some people who are obviously going to you know question my legitimacy or whatever on these issues and that's fine i mean I, all i can tell you is i hope as progressives we appreciate someone who takes in new experiences takes in new evidence and Potentially shifts their position if it moves them in that direction.
0: In the first two trimesters, do you think it's a life form?
1: Well, I mean, I think the woman should have the right. I mean, I, it, I don't. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But it should be left to the woman because these things are so complicated, and you don't know what's happening in the pregnancy. I mean, I've experienced this with my wife. It's like super complicated. And as long as we leave that decision to the woman and the doctor. That is where my position is now.
0: I got you. So, uh, Nancy Pelosi, when she was uh, up for Speaker of the House, you yeah. had some reservations, correct? I did, yeah. Yeah, so talk to me, what were your reservations about Nancy Pelosi?
1: Well, I, th- I, I feel like we've lost large swaths of the American electorate who don't look to Democrats as uh, a feasible party for them, the working mm-hmm. class that we lost, Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, Michigan, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. We have lost a lot of connect. With those people, and I thought, you know, a couple years ago that you know it would be helpful. I think if we changed leadership and made that case, I thought we needed new faces, new people to come into our leadership. Generational change, and I'm proud of what we did because I think we got it. You know, we got Hakeem Jeffries, and we got Ben Ray Lujan, and Catherine Clark, and Sherry Bustos, and we've got some new people into these positions. David Cicilline and others. So you know, to that extent, I think it's been helpful to us.
0: So, were you concerned that uh, you mean you say new blood, but how so? Right, it depends on the positions. Uh, So, for example, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are both relatively older, to say the least, right? (laughs) Especially compared to you, you're all running against each other, etc. Yeah. But Biden and Sanders have very different policy positions. Yeah. So. Were you concerned that Nancy Pelosi is too progressive, not progressive enough? What was in terms of policy?
1: Well when you're leader of the party, and I've been watching this since 2003, uh, when we were trying to get out of the Iraq war. It's like you wanted people that wanted to get out tomorrow, and you wanted people that thought we should stay in and actually voted for the war. And you've gotta figure out, okay, how do you start again, turning this Titanic? Um, So it wasn't a particular policy issue that I felt strongly about um we had been in the minority for a long time so we weren't we weren't governing and there wasn't any unique position to me it was about how do we reconnect with these workers that we have lost touch with. And I thought the party has become too coastal. I mean, our two thirds of our membership are on the coast. Our leadership was all from the coast. There was nobody from the Midwest in leadership. These are concerns that I've had, not because it was never personal. And, and Leader Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi and I still are very cordial to each other and work together on issues. I chair the committee that funds the legislative branch. So our staffs work all the time together. So it wasn't personal. It was just, We've got to figure out how we get back. Here. Donald Trump's president.
0: Yeah. And no, I don't. From my point of view, I, it's not important to me whether it was personal or not personal. Yeah. And you guys all work together and you vote whichever way you vote yeah. on on yeah. issues depending yeah. on your policies. <laughs> but um, but that you were characterized as to the right of Nancy Pelosi. Do you think that that's accurate or no? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Okay, I don't think so. All right, no. so that's why I wanted. to I ask. mean, it's you
1: know, it's like when you challenge the establishment, sometimes people try to put you in a box. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you look at my position, I mean, I've been on the Medicare for All bill since 2007. I tell the new members, like I was on it before,
0: it was cool. So let's you know, I mean, <laughs> well, that's true, and you were a co-sponsor, a co-sponsor, and, and, and so public. a lot of people got pressured to be on that bill, but you were on from the beginning. I was so on, yeah, so, so that's was, important I mean, context. So, yeah,
1: so like it's like you know, people say, oh, well, he's a corporate guy. I voted against every tax cut for, that, that have been so lopsided. I voted against every trade agreement that, since I've been in office. I'm on the Medicare for all bill, right? I'm, I'm on the debt free and free college bill. Like So like what, yeah, <laughs> what I'm hear- trying to say, what, I'm try, what I wanna do is I want our party to talk about the new issues. How do we create the new economy? electric vehicles, wind, solar, AI, if we don't get the economic piece right, we're dead in the water if we don't shift the conversation around healthcare from a disease care system where we are today to a system where we talk about health and food and the food system. You know, seventy five percent of our healthcare costs come from chronic diseases that are largely preventable. We don't even talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the money? Where's the savings? That's where the savings, It's about two three trillion dollars a year that we could actually get back. If we started incentivizing doctors to work towards prevention, rebates and refunds for patients who get themselves healthier. That to me is the discussion, and is that liberal or conservative? I don't know, sounds pretty smart to me.
0: <laughs> so uh, Congressman Ryan, so you're on Medicare for All for a long time. Yeah. At this point though, a lot of the candidates are giving mixed messages. Mm-hmm. They're for Medicare for All, but they'll take less. Medicare buy-in. Today, Joe Biden's talking about a public option, basically. <laughs> What's your stance on that?
1: The minimum has gotta be a public option. I mean, mm-hmm. I fought really hard for a public option back when Obamacare, I mean, here's what people don't remember. Like, me and you used to do this interview and we didn't have gray hair, Yeah, yeah that's right? true, yeah. And now we do. I've been doing yeah. this a while. I fought for the, uh, the public option in the Obamacare bill. And, and I think that is that has got to be the bare minimum that we go for as a public option. And, and then how do we build out from there? I think that's the smart move that we make. That's the next move. And I think that's a significant
0: move. All right, you mentioned Sherry Bustos. Uh, DCCC has a new rule that uh, they're not going to allow uh, people who work against incumbents uh, to get contracts with Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your take on that rule?
1: Uh, uh, you know, I don't I think we should try to stay out of that stuff. I don't want to get into the business negotiations. that people should be able to do what they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, you ran against an incumbent, a lot of folks ran against incumbents. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, and <laughs> and the DCCC doesn't always pick pick the right people, but I, you know, I think people should be free to do what they want and we'll see where it goes.
0: One more question is yeah. about foreign policy. Yeah. Uh, what's your uh, take on Syria? So Trump said we're gonna withdraw. He said it in a curious way, and I don't know what his motivations are. But you know, Democrats are split on it, and and progressives don't mind the withdrawal. So what's your your take on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've got to keep an eye on that region. I don't know what he means by withdrawal, and he can probably change his position tomorrow. So I don't want to get too much in the weeds, because I don't know what he meant by it. But we have got, unfortunately, again, let's go back. I was not for the Iraq war. My, in, in that first election, someone campaigned against me as being weak on terrorism. It was right after 9-11. They ran commercials against me. I was not for us going to Iraq. Biggest blunder. I mean, we're into the trillions of dollars now that this has cost us. And you see you know, the vets still coming back and the vets still take their lives at, at 20 a day. So I wasn't for it at all. But I don't know what, what we do. I mean. With this mess that we have, because if you let terrorists run amok and begin to organize, then that's a that's a real problem for us. But we need other countries to join us. I mean, that's where Trump really screws up. Is that he he he's pissed everybody off, so we don't have you know friends that don't want to work with us. So if you want to diminish the American role, you need more of an international role. You better have a lot of friends who are willing to to help out. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's going to be tough to dislodge Assad. Um, you know it's, it's a russian Iranian mess in that area now. And you know I think we need to keep an eye on things. I mean, especially see the, the flows into Europe. It's having a global effect, and I think we've got to be smart about it. But you know, I don't think the president necessarily has a, a plan there either
0: the president without a plan no donald trump <laughs> i can't believe it so uh, what we do every time is we give <clears throat> the the website for the candidates yeah. so we've been giving it throughout but we'll also provide a link down below Great. in the description box if you're watching this later easy click you can figure out how to volunteer donate etc uh, timryanforamerica.com
1: Tim and if you you know if you're interested in i mean i believe that i'm pushing an agenda That is transformational. I mean, we're talking about health and food as opposed to just disease care, which is where we are now. I'm talking about social and emotional learning in the schools and the food we're feeding our kids in the schools and vocational training in the schools. Uh, I'm talking about healing our vets through yoga and meditation and acupuncture and music therapy and art therapy. Um, We're going hard at criminal justice reform with legalizing marijuana and other issues. You know, so I, I just want to let your audience know, like, this is a real new agenda that I believe is about real solutions and it's about us being proactive. You know, I want us to dominate these industries. If I could tell you just a real quick story of what I think distinguishes me a little bit. In 1977, in the steel mills in Youngstown, when they closed, the technology in the steel mills was pre-World War I. We are at a similar inflection point. We hear about AI, we hear about machine learning, we hear about additive manufacturing, and it's scary because we don't know where it goes. My opinion is, based on the experience of the past, where 40 years later we're still trying to recover, is that we need to grab these industries and we need to dominate them. And we need to we need to ramp up productivity and make sure we have policies that are progressive that cut the workers in on the deal. To me, that's how we move forward. And that's what this campaign is gonna be about. It's gonna be about playing offense, not sitting the back. Where's Donald Trump? You know, we lost a GM facility, we lost his Falcon transport. 40 to 50 percent of Americans can't withstand a four or $500 emergency. We need to campaign on the economy. It's not working for working class people. And I have an agenda that's really big and bold that transforms education and healthcare and the economy. Let's go and let's play offense. And I want to invite everybody, you know, Tim Ryan for America.com, but come help us. We want
0: to build something really big and special. All right, Congressman Tim Ryan, thank great, you for joining us. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure. President. All right, thank you. And uh, guys, stay right here. If you're a member, uh, we're actually going to talk uh, when we come back for members only section about how Donald Trump has almost no chance of winning the presidency. So <laughs> uh, no, it's based on facts and evidence and numbers. And so someone like Congressman Ryan is going to be the next president of the United States. We'll explain that for the members. TYT.com slash join to make that happen. Again, thank you, Tim. Nice. Appreciate thank you. It. All right, we'll be right back.